everyone. Welcome to the first ever episode of the YU Observations podcast. I'm Alicia Hirsch, a junior here at Stern. I'm Benji Gottesman. I'm a junior at Yeshiva College. And uh, yeah, we're super excited to start this talk, get this first episode going. Got a lot of content coming your way, uh, including an interview with the student council presidents, some tips for new students, you know, general reflections, and uh, some words of Torah to tie it all together. So just to set the stage so everyone knows like where we're at, um, we were on campus for about a week and a half. And then this past week, we've kind of been in Zoom classes. But I still think um, that we've got like a good enough grasp on sort of what this year will look like on campus, some differences from last year, some maybe similarities even. Um, it's obviously like very different from my last year on campus, which was actually my first year. You also have Benji, right? Yeah, also, also first time on campus, if you could call last semester campus. Yeah, I was dorming the whole time, were you? Yeah, sure. But like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, dorm life was like kind of schwach, not a whole lot going on. Uh, yeah. It, it was like, it was funny. Like, people were like, you know, like, the dorms at YU are great. They're bringing in like food from Golan every other night. Everyone's there. And like, I don't know. Like, the dorms were an actual ghost town last year. Yeah, I think in Stern also it felt like, and also just the comparison from walking in on the first day this year, like, I realized how much how different it was from last year, like how much more quiet the dorms were last year, just like so many more people in the calves and on the streets of Manhattan and just like in the dorms themselves. It's really crazy. Yeah, I think the most disappointing thing about last year was the lack of free food. Everyone told me, why you? You don't spend a dollar on food. They just keep, they keep stuffing you full of poppers or whatever. Yeah. Existed because apparently COVID spreads through food or something. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely the calves have been much improved this year from last. I think it's back to what it usually is. Um, yeah, but I also I'm I don't know if you felt like this. I felt a little bit like a freshman in certain ways, just like being overwhelmed by the sheer amount of people. Like obviously I knew my way around and everything like that, but like being in live classes again and like figuring out what that's like and like getting a desk and being there before the teacher, like everything like that. It's, it's funny. It's like it's like the opposite for me. Like even last year, I don't think I felt like a freshman. Um, most I mean, technically, I guess we were sophomores. Like, yeah. I feel like, like the average freshman, right? Like most colleges across the country, like 18, 19 years old. It's like very different starting school when you're already like 20, 21, having already taken a gap, you know, a gap year or two. Yeah, it's true. Like, I don't think I felt a, like, I don't know, last year, I just didn't feel it so much because we didn't have live classes. It wasn't, there wasn't so many people, but I don't know. How's it been being back in a classroom for you? So it's funny because uh, I had a bunch of in-person classes last semester. The real change that I feel, um, and it actually ties in well, like the whole freshman or not freshman bit, uh, is the base medrash. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been popping for those who have been there. Uh, and last year with the masks and the partitions, uh, no singing during davening, it felt very, very cold, very, very dry, very, very empty. And now every night it's, it's absolutely packed uh, and it's really bustling. And that's really great. Um, yeah, that is really nice. Interesting is I think like that's the one place where it's easy to feel like a lower classman uh, because there you're not just dealing with juniors and seniors. You have smicha. You have you have you know the entire gamut of possible ages uh, in any educational setting, uh, and there have been people who have just been doing it for a long, long time. So it, it's ironic that it's ironic to come to university uh, and the most university esque uh, sensation, at least in the social sense of the word. Uh, takes place in the base of Medrash. That is really interesting. It's very nice. Something special about YU, I feel like. I think the Stern, I 
like the Stern Bait Madrash also, I think has been like really nice. Just like G Pats being back live and being them, their loud, exciting selves. And like just having this year and be live and like packing the Bait Madrash programs. And like, I think just in general across the board, like all the committees and clubs and like everyone has been just so excited to be back that they've been like really organizing great events, bringing in speakers. Like they're just a really happy atmosphere, I think in the air that like everyone is just so excited to be back and like, have some semblance of normalcy again um first of all i don't know i don't know how many people have seen this but there have been a uh, there's been a petition going a petition uh, a sign up list going around for the wilf bowling club uh which is pretty much just getting this school to send the boys bowling uh which is which is just a great fit uh but like and like but like stuff like that like that's like that's what i'm here for yeah that's fine that's what makes like all of this like living in the heights and all, and all the weird stuff of you know the, the idiosyncrasies of why you are fit the idea of a bunch of people saying, like, okay, like, what's the best use of school money? Like, we just want to go bowling. Like, I'm so here for that. Um, like, yeah. In general, like, I'm, I'm by, as much, as much as I hate the WhatsApp spam, it's very nice to see everybody, like, trying to get active in school. Yeah, um, I agree. For That's anybody who's nice. listening to this who might be opposed to the, uh, to the bowling club, just please stay in your lane, you know, sit down. Okay, Benji's really into this bowling club. No, no, no. Okay. Let's get our bowling club shut down. If we, uh, we're going to have, 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 have an issue. Yeah, okay. There, is there a bowling team? No, right? I have no idea. Okay. Hey, it's Sally Sheva from the future here. Just wanted to add a quick disclaimer that the following conversation about COVID protocols was recorded on September 13th and the situation and the policies, some of our opinions have changed since then um, and are continuing to as the situation is fluid. Um, we're not here to give medical advice, rather just to continue the conversation about this important and relevant topic. So with that, let's continue. Um, but yeah, but along the line of like things that are different and new and like exciting, there's also been, you know, kind of some feeling of like leftovers from last year in terms of the mask mandate. So maybe we should talk a little bit about that because I'll just say for myself, I was not expecting as big reactions from my friends, from just people I'm hearing chattering in the hallways and the elevators, like definitely, I think a bigger reaction than I expected. And I'm like, why do you think it's so hard? For yeah, so many people, I was I was expecting the entire world to to, uh, to implode on us. You were? Like, That's so funny. Yeah, for sure. Um, because as much as as much as it's like you know a topic that people don't want to broach, we do have to talk about mental health and masks. We could talk about like all like the the loud, annoying, aggressive. We just hate masks because we're annoying. We just hate mask people stuff, and like that also exists. Yeah. But there is a deep psychology that in the underpinning of this entire situation. Um, which is that last year was a disaster in terms of mental health for, for the student body. Yeah. Uh, we all had to deal with the level of real, real pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to assume that there is no trauma associated with, you know, everything that's ha- happened, I think naive. Uh, and to assume that imposing a mask mandate on a group of people who A, already enjoyed the liberty of not having it, I was going to say, I think that's part of it. Really, really assume that it was over yeah. because they're young, because they're vaccinated, mm-hmm. and because the world told them that it was over. Uh, and now you're, and now what, essentially what the faculty has done, uh, they've dragged this back to the worst, pla- to the worst point in our lives. Uh, and we really, really, really don't want to go back there. And I think that's sort of the underlying, you know, theme. And I, I'm not, I'm not saying... I'm not saying that's fair, if that's fair or not. I, I understand that people are concerned about their safety. Yeah. But that is what's happening. I was going to say, I think part of it is the like starting, 
like having the taste of freedom and then kind of getting that email kind of out of nowhere it almost felt like just like dropped in our inbox I I wonder if it would have been better if we almost started the year with the masks on what do you think but then also would have tampered the like joy and and happiness and energy that we all kind of need and that I think we're all still riding on and we're gonna that will help us ride through yeah, and that, that's, the, that's what the English department has been saying, if you, if you follow uh, some of the English department people on Twitter. But they were saying, look, we assumed that we were going to have a mask mandate. We were told by the administration that we were. Uh, we assumed that, you know, they were going to follow, uh, I don't know if the CDC guidelines, but at least what everyone else in New York has been doing. And then 24 hours before we get to campus, we hear, hey, there's no mask mandate. Uh, and that freaked them out. And I get it, whether or not because they have immunocompromised family or they have children who are unvaccinated or for, you know, for an entire litany of possible reasons. Um, so what they're saying is like, yeah, we should have always had a mask mandate and then there wouldn't have been this uproar. Um, I understand that. I mean, you know, probably would have made things better. I, I'm certainly happy that there wasn't one. And admittedly, it did set a culture that, you know, for a lot of the students who are just, you know, ignoring the mask mandate, uh, which is, would you agree that's probably, like, not in classes? Um, I don't think so. I, we've been... Like, I think the security guards have been very on top of it when people come into the buildings. Like, they've definitely been very cracking down, which I think is important. Like, if they're going to set a mandate, like, I think it should be followed. Um, But uh, we don't have to wear them in the residence halls or the cafeteria. So I feel like, I don't know. I don't personally, I don't, I don't find it so, so hard. But I, I do hear, I like hear both sides. And I am happy we had that short opportunity to be without it and just see everyone smiles and like it's been funny like meeting people from zoom class last year like recognizing them again because they're not covered by a mask things like that do you think it's going to continue past circus what's your gut i don't know i think so i think for a little bit i think it'll be for a little bit past circus and then they'll have to see and reevaluate like i don't know the world i don't know like i think i it's a little unnerving feeling like you might get a different email in your inbox every day like you know, saying something else. I think that's hard. And that's something we all have been dealing with this past year is just uncertainty. So this kind of adds on to that and like just shows us we're still in it a little bit. But I don't know. I think like I, I like I said, I'm riding on that wave of the beginning that like I do have hope for the future and God willing, like, you know, everything, everyone should be healthy and we should be able to go back. Certainly, certainly a lot of speculation. I don't necessarily know that um, we're going to say, say bye to the mask anytime soon. I feel like they're just gonna, you know, stay, stay for a while, be overcautious. But either way, that aside, uh, a lot to look forward to for the upcoming year, uh, and to and to help, you know, get a better picture of what that's gonna look like. Uh, we're now gonna move on to the next part uh, of this podcast, which is an interview with our student leaders, uh, Lazar Abrams and Taya Leitner, who we will now introduce. Okay, so we're here now with Talia Leitner, who's the president of SCWSC, which is, stands for the Stern College for Women Student Council, and also Elazar Ibrahims, who's the president of YSU, which stands for the Yeshiva Student Union. Um, thanks so much, guys, for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Um, okay, so to start it off, um, probably it is a good idea to introduce yourselves, uh, both to new students and to you know, older students who might still not know who you are. Um, so just who are you guys? Where are you guys from? What's your major? What year you are in, uh, in, on the council and, in, and on campus? Okay. Hi, listeners. Uh, my name is Talia Leitner. I'm the president of SCWSC. 
Um, last year, I was the vice president of clubs on the council, so I do have some experience working um, on a student council. I am originally from Manhattan. Um, I grew up here and now I'm here again. Um, and I'm a computer science major in my last year at Stern. Very nice. I'm Elazar Abrams. I am also from uh, New York, majoring in uh, English and minoring in political science at YU. I just started my last year. Last year, I was the junior grade representative, and now I am the student council president for the Wilf um, campus. Amazing. Thanks so much. Okay, so we were just wondering if you could give us some insight into maybe some of your plans for this year, just to get everyone excited for like what's to come. Maybe you could tell us a little bit like how you think it'll be different from last year. Obviously, there are some obvious differences, but maybe more than that, or even different from your own experiences um, dealing with the student council, either in the past or just as a student, not on the student council, but like just give us some idea of what we can get excited for this year. Sure. Um, so both councils are going to be working together in all of the big days that including Hanukkah, Yom's. I think each campus will then also have separate programming for Thanksgiving, Purim. So those are all the big ones that we do every year. Um, but we also hope to have, I mean, strictly like in-person events this year. Um, and we hope to have trivia nights as we did last year. We hope which would be co-ed, <laughs> um, but we also hope to have a lot of separate programming on both campuses for students who don't necessarily feel comfortable going to co-ed events. Um, and just something that like I really am working on for this year is to make sure that any events that take place uptown, to make sure there's enough transportation to bring the women from Barron to Wealth. Um, and I'm sure that any events that will happen downtown will also will make sure to have enough transportation to bring the men down too. Yeah, um, I really think a big um, part of this year will be um, welcoming the YU community back to campus as big as possible. I think there's two full years of students that have never been on campus before, and we need to give them a good time, to say the least. And so, you know, last year, because most clubs were on Zoom, um, student council didn't even really have the chance to spend um, the budget that that um, they get. And this year, I think our goal is to hit zero because the money doesn't go towards next year. So we might as well use it all. I love that. Goal. Go big or go home. Yeah, that sounds great. That's really exciting. As like a junior who like hasn't really, this is like my first time, like with a full on campus experience. So that sounds great. Yeah, um, online Zoom trivia, trivia night was <laughs> not, not, not a vibe to say the least. We worked um, so, hard on it. Well, we worked hard to make it um, as best as, as good as it could be, you know? I think it was. That's I valid, was. though. That's valid, though. No, I mean, like, I mean, just in terms of, you know, club events will have um, three pies of pizza at least for each one. And, like, that's already such a difference from last year where, like, why would you show up if you're not getting pizza, you know? Yeah. This is this is three pies of pizza per person. Is what you're saying? I I'm gonna have to check the budget, but definitely three slices. I think sounds like a fair compliment. Sounds good. Um, so I think Kaya touched on this a little bit, um, but I do want to hear a little bit more in depth about this. Uh, it's no secret, um, at least within our community, uh, that we're a decently diverse group. Um, a lot of people have different expectations, different needs. Uh, and different comfort levels when it comes to social gatherings uh, and events. So how have you seen uh, in your previous roles, how have you seen this present itself as a problem 
and what do you hope to do uh, to rectify that and try to represent uh, the entirety of our student body? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think you're correct. Um, it's a touchy subject, so I'll tread lightly. I think there's definitely a, a stigma surrounding co-ed events. I think even for YU students that do feel comfortable going to something that is co-ed, there is a stigma that surrounds them at YU. I hope this is a chance to reset that. Um, at the same time, like I also think a great part of YU is that we can have strong programming that's just on one campus. Um, I know, for example, on Will for planning like a, a chillant, um, like a chopped type thing, and, and that will probably be just for guys. Not because it couldn't be co-ed, but I think it would be fun that it's like just like the guys. Um, and I guess, I don't know if you asked for a way to solve it, but I think we just ran a trip for the first year students last Sunday where we took them to the Central Park Zoo. Um, and we had a really big turnout. I think it was like 70 plus first years without even really promoting it. And it was just as co-ed as the person who came wanted to make it in that there were two groups going to the zoo, one from each campus. If you want, it could be co-ed, but if you want, you can just walk around the zoo with like your friends from your campus and it really doesn't have to be. Um, so I think that's a tactic that we can maybe try to use going forward. Yeah, so just to add on to that, um, I think what's special about co-ed events is that we're giving the same opportunities to both the men and the women. Um, so these events don't necessarily have to have that stigma of that you're going just to see, you know, the opposite sex. It could just be that we it's easier for us to have hold the event together than to run two separate events. Um, so I don't think that there should be any stigma surrounding um, co-ed events. Um, but that being said, there, is a, there also is a benefit to having separate programming. Like sometimes um, there's some programming might be campus specific and it might make more sense to have a program late at night on Barron or at Wilf and it doesn't make sense to transport people and this makes more sense um, to keep it separate. So I do think um, there are advantages to both um, types of programming. Um, but I also wanna add that the barbecue, the Welcome Back Barbecue, which was held a couple of weeks ago, the night before school started, there was a crazy big turnout. I mean, half of my YU experience has been virtual, but or within COVID at least, but crazy big turnout. Both men and women showed up. I would say there are probably at least 500 students there, give or take, um, but I've never seen such a big co-ed event before. So like, I really just hope that like that was a really great way to start off the year. And like Elazar said, if you're not someone who like feels the need to talk to the opposite gender, then don't go to these events and stay with your friends or meet other people from your campus, but still go to these events. Like they're great opportunities um, nonetheless. Along the same lines, um, I, I don't know, I honestly don't know what the culture is like on Barron. Uh, so maybe this is just a question for Elazar. Ty, you can let us know. But I noticed last year, uh, and I had a lot of conversation with friends about it, that a lot of events happen during Night Seder. Um, and obviously, it's a very tough schedule, uh, and your job is near impossible in finding a time that works for everybody. Um, but both logistically um, and, I guess, philosophically slash hashkafically, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and is there going to be an effort to address that? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll take this one first, I guess. Um, I definitely think that for certain events need to be scheduled um, around Night Seder, like, for example, Last year, when my council brought in- Grace Sotomayor. 
Yeah. So when we brought um, him in last year, like I specifically said that we need to do it from like 630 to like 730, because a lot of the guys that would be learning at night would love to go to that on Zoom. Um, and I think that it was really important that we made it as um, open as possible. Look, for each club event, which is really, I think it's crucial to clarify that I think most events are run by the clubs, not by Statute Council itself. They just get the money from the councils and they really get to choose when they want to hold um, whatever they're doing. But in general, I definitely think that definitely for something that would just be for Wilf, like the Chilean thing that I mentioned um, earlier, there's no reason that that couldn't be right after Night Cedar um, ends at like 10:15, you know, like post Mara. I think there will always be conflict, but definitely something that I've thought about is trying to make it open to as many people as possible. For example, this past Tuesday, when we handed out a no cones on Wolf, I made sure that it was from 12 to two, which is the lunch break, not just for one of the morning programs, but would make it so that students that are in all of the morning programs could get. I don't think that that's a great answer. Uh, and and I, it, it's, it's nice to know that like, uh, that everyone's being taken care of, uh, especially because the Amari Stoudemire event yeah, right. has been awesome. Uh, so that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that is really interesting. Um, I guess just to give us a little bit more perspective on like the back end side of like organizing, planning the events, um, are you able to tell us anything about, I guess, if you see yourselves as now the job as being the liaison between the administration and the student body, or do you see it more as you're just like organizing and planning like fun activities and events, like kind of what that's like? Um, I think like student council sometimes is something that means a lot of things in different universities and high schools, et cetera. So like, if you could just fill us in on that backend perspective. Um, so yeah, we do both. Um, we are definitely like liaison between the administration and the student body. Whenever there's a relevant issue that we think um, something that's important to the student body, we definitely do speak up to the administration on behalf of the students. Um, and we've already done that a couple of times this um, year. Um, and also, we also are in charge of overseeing all events that go on on campus, of being in charge of our council budgets and deciding which events um, get what funding. Um, so it really is on both sides. Um, I think it is something different than on other college campuses. I don't think that the student council necessarily plays a role on both ends, but we really do, um, which is something like really special and unique that we really do get to form a relationship with um, the higher ups at YU. But at the same time, we also get to really speak to like different leaders within the student body, like the club heads or anybody else who's deciding to run an event. Um, so we do work on both ends. You just, you mentioned, you mentioned offhand that you've already a few times had to uh, speak to the administration. Uh, can you give us some more details about that? Sure. Um, so there was a, a couple of controversial, you know, um, issues that were going on within the student body at the beginning of this academic year. Um, so a number of the student council presidents reached out to the administration, um, sent emails, asked to, to have meetings with them. So we have already met with them regarding one of the issues and we've already seen some progress on their end. Um, and we also hope to see progress regarding the other issue that we reach out about. I, am, I imagine by your usage of the phrase issue that you're not going to tell us what the issues are. You're not on the podcast. Yeah, I, I think very often people might not even know what we're doing behind the scenes. Like I can say at the end of last year, the team that was going to be the student leaders for this coming year were reached out to about some changes to the calendar. 
um, that we very much did not like. We don't need to go into what the changes were because we spoke with YU and the changes did not take place. Mm -hmm. And no one even really like knows that we met with them um, about it. So I definitely think there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Um, and it and I always think that it's nice that very often YU will come to us and kind of to get our um, thoughts on what they might be planning, what they might be changing. And, and I very much value that. From YU, I think that's a difference from a lot of um, other um, colleges where I'm sure student council could work with them, but they would probably have to take the first um, step. I think that's really nice to hear, actually, that relationship. Just that being said, um, as much as input as student council likes to give, um, we definitely are not the ones that are setting policy. Um, it's definitely the administration who, you know, sets policy and standards, you know, at the university. So as much input as we give, um, we don't make the policies. So um, we're so happy to advocate on behalf of the student body, do everything that we can. But at the end of the day, we are students and our power is limited. If you could change one thing about the administration and one thing about the student body, what would they be? I just wish there was some maybe better communication between the two. Um, I think that um, in both on both ends, I think that there has to be some more dialogue set up. And I hope that's something that we could work on this year. Um, definitely, like we have been speaking to the administration over the past couple of weeks, and like they've been very receptive. Um, and I hope that this dialogue opens up um, to more students and not just restricted to student leaders. Amazing. Agreed. Thank you. And just before we close out, um, if you could just tell everybody, I know we spoke about all the different things to be excited for this year that are coming, but maybe one specific thing that you guys are maybe currently working on that's coming soon after the Chagim, like what would you say to new students, to old students? Like what is the one thing to get excited for this coming year? The Tafarim um, sale is back in person this year. It was not here last year. And that's a huge deal for um, YU. It's largest... Jewish book sale in the country, I think, and attracts people not just to go to YU, and it's a very good time, so we should all stop by. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, last year I held the position of vice president of clubs for SEWSE, um, and unfortunately the majority of club events could not be held in person, um, but this year um, after the Chagim, we're planning on going strong, we hope that all the club events well, God willing, be in person for the most part. Of course, if there's a speaker brought in who can't physically be on campus, then that might be virtual. But for the most part, we're planning on going strong. And I hope that campus life will be changed. Like the atmosphere definitely will be changed by the fact that there'll be multiple club events going on each night. So I really am excited for that to like bring back the um, old atmosphere that I remember from my first year. I'm really excited for that. And I think that's something that the student body who especially has not experienced that yet should look forward to too. Thank you so much. You're getting me very excited. Um, but thanks so much for coming on. Okay, so now we just wanted to give some of our best tips um, for incoming students or really just returning students. Um, but just like our general advice um, for how you can make the most of your experience here at Stern and YU. Okay, so number one, we're going to do this kind of rapid fire, um, would be to explore campus early and just get comfortable with it and find the good spots. So whether the good spots for studying, learning, 
really whatever. Um, but just to really, sometimes it's scary to like explore all the different buildings and everything. Like you don't really know where you're going, but just to do that as early as possible. So, you know, where everything is, the rooms in the library, like different things like the Brookdale Bait Madrash, the couches on the third floor. I don't want to give away all my best spots, but give away your best spots. What are the best spots? Well, I already said couches on the third floor, so I hope no one, there's a good spot on the fourth floor of the Sims building. I'll let you go explore and find that. Um, but yeah, okay. Number two is to stay in for Shabbos. I think that's actually one of the best ways to meet new people and really start to feel at home um, at like college in general. Obviously there are different kinds of Shabbos. Some feel more like a Shabbat tone, like loud, lots of programming. Some are quieter. There's always programming. There's always people to meet, things to do, but you'll find the ones that you like and connect with. And I think it's just a great way to really get yourself involved in the university. Um, number three is to take advantage of living in New York City, whether you're up in the Heights or in Midtown. Really, there is a whole life outside of classes and it's such a privilege to live in New York. Um, so go visit the parks, the museums, the shows. Now, like so many more things are opening. You can walk to the East River from Stern, Central Park. I could just keep going and listing things or you could go to the Observer Arts and Culture section and look for some new things to do in New York City. Um, but yeah, obviously be safe, but I encourage learning the subway system and buses walking. The hype is not as gross as you think it is. There are actually nice parks. Fort Shrine Park is very nice. You have the Met Cloisters, which actually is like a, a perfectly legitimate and beautiful museum. Uh, the one thing that I will tell you though, is that you'll see advertised. I think the Blasio launched a campaign about this urban art tunnel fixture. Uh, by the 191st uh, subway street station as like a new tourist attraction it's not it's gross stay away from there no is that the tunnel by the subway that's like covered in like really cool graffiti yeah man that um, tunnel lasts like four minutes yeah all by yourself it's yeah safe. be safe obviously no but it's kind of cool no nah, it's good okay <laughs> and and when it lets off it's right near this fish store and it just stinks of fish that that place is like very much what you think of when people say Washington Heights, but there are plenty of other places that you can go to. Okay, so go everywhere else in the city, basically, except yeah, that yeah, tunnel, according to Benji. Okay, cool. Um, okay, number four is to utilize the resources available, and I think you should try them all out at least once. So whether that's the writing center, which helps with um, papers, like really anything you have to write in college, um, student academic support, that's, I believe, Dr. Haight, so you can meet with her about like time management, things like that. She's really helpful, making schedules, study schedules, things like that. Um, the counseling center is a big one. Um, hopefully, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to them at some point on the podcast, but just they really like essentially do offer things like free therapy. So definitely take advantage. Um, peer tutoring, the career center can help you make a LinkedIn, a resume, anything meet with you about like your career aspirations and goals, networking, all that kind of stuff. And for all of these, if you're having trouble, like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to find them. You really just like can Google, let's say like peer tutoring at Yeshiva University and like you'll find the link. It'll say make appointment. It's a little complicated, but once you figure out, and again, just try all the platforms, you'll figure it out. Um, number five is to just ask people about specific classes and professors, whether you should type your notes for the class, write them out, like just to get ahead of these things, to buy the textbook, to not buy the textbook. Like a lot of these things you can figure out. There's like a really nice kind of Masora in terms of like helping each other on, at least I can vouch for Stern, Stern in the Know, which is a Facebook group, very helpful to be a part of and ask things like that. I don't know if there's something like that on YC. Six is to try out anything that seems interesting to you. I think especially in your first year, but just any clubs or teams, societies, events, like whether or not you have friends in them, but just to like really try and see what you like. And I think like not to spread yourself too thin, of course, but I really like trying a lot of things and then deciding what was worth my time and energy. Um, and then kind of putting those 
into putting my time and energy again, like into those things. But you can only know if you like something, if you try, and it's a great way to meet new people also. And then seven would be just like more religious advice for some, whether you're coming like straight out of high school or out of seminary yeshiva, I think like there's sometimes less structured times, at least I can say for the women in terms of like, you know, dominating and shirim and like learning and stuff like that. But just to like figure out for yourself, there's like so many opportunities in Stern and just to figure out what times work for you, what works for you best. And again, that goes with trying a lot of new things first. Yeah, and if I, if I could offer advice to some of the Hebra, certainly those who are coming uh, out of their yeshiva, it's very, it's a very weird transition going from a place with, you know, four or five rebayim to 40 or 50 rebayim. Um, but it doesn't mean that rebayim aren't accessible. And it doesn't mean that mashkichim aren't accessible. And it doesn't mean that night seder sholom, meshivim aren't accessible. Uh, and go out of your way to form, to form sharim, um, because as important as they were in yeshiva, there may be even more important when you're at a yeshiva or slash half in yeshiva, half in university or fully in yeshiva and fully in university or whatever you tell to justify the fact that you're not learning as much as you used to. Um, but yeah, those charm are important. Uh, so reach out to reach, reach out to Rebbe and reach out to Mashkichim, uh, reach out to the Hevra. Uh, that's going to make sure that you, uh, that you stay a, a base medrash to uh, no matter where you are. Um, yeah. So we hope like these are all of help to new students. And again, like maybe even some returning one, ones you found out something new um but either way good luck to everyone and we're wishing everyone a really fabulous semester before we conclude our very first podcast we felt it appropriate to end this and please god every future podcast with a short and timely dvar torah there was a custom in europe dating back i think a few centuries that every Shabbos Mavarchim, when it would come time to say Tfilat Chodesh, the prayer asking God for success in the upcoming month, the Chazan and the congregation would sing this Tfilah to a tune that had to do with the upcoming month. For example, Kam Kislev, the month in which Chanukah falls, they would say the prayer to the tune of Valhanisim or Mausor. And come Adar, the month in which Purim falls, they would say the prayer in the tune of Mishanich Nasadar Marban Bisimcha. When Cheshvan rolled around, the month without any holidays, with no festivities, they would recite the prayer in the typical and classic cadence that a student uses when learning a piece of Gemara. Because Cheshvan is the month of the Talmidei Chacham and the Bachram and Yeshiva. Cheshvan is four weeks with no distractions, no interruptions. It's a time where people can day in, day out, find a routine, spend time in the base medrash, and learn without any worry of yam tovim hanging over their head. You know, we spent all of Elul and all of Tishrei reciting, Please God, let me spend all my days in your house. And it's almost as if God answers, okay, here's Cheshvan, four weeks. Just to sit, just to learn, just to be, just to exist. Haschalas Hazman, the beginning of the semester, is a time to really reconnect to routine, to make the most out of the freedom that time allows us. You know, Cheshvan is often known in rabbinic literature as Mar Cheshvan, you know, the bitter month, uh, because, you know, it does not have any Chagim. But the Tzadikim reread it as Mar Cheshvan, or I guess literally Mr. Cheshvan. The month in which a, a child is elevated to the level of an adult. The month in which someone who might have found themselves struggling through Elul and Tishrei has the ability to really take charge and control over their life. 
become a mister, a master, sovereign over their own fate, over their own time, over their own destiny. And so in the old country, they would sing the prayer asking for success in the tune of a child and his study partner learning Gemara for the first time. Because there's a certain novelty that Cheshvan brings around, where suddenly you're reminded of what you're capable of. Suddenly you're reminded of your potential. The rest of the world fades away to a hum, to a small pitter-patter in the backdrop. As you sit in the base medrash and let the pages turn, and in the words of Rav Soloveitchik, feel the gentle hand of God upon your frail shoulder. Cheshvan is a month where nothing exists. It is the oasis of time that allows anything to be possible. On behalf of the entire Observer staff, we'd like to wish you a Zman Tov, a good semester. We'd like to thank you for listening to our inaugural podcast. And we look forward to growing and learning with you over the course of the next few months. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of YU Observations. If you enjoyed, be sure to rate, review, and share with friends. Hit the subscribe button so you're notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again, and have a great day.